Welcome to So Emo I Fell Apart. This is a podcast dedicated to all things emo and pop punk for the naughty oddies. And today I'm one of your hosts, Rhea. I am one of your other hosts, Chloe. And today we're going to get into quite the nefarious, notorious figure <laughs> in pop punk and hardcore and emo because his career of being attached to the scene is so long and so illustrious. He needs an entire fucking episode just dedicated to this guy. He really does. And who are we talking about today, Chloe? We are talking about Hey Chris. Who was our only friend. He was our only friend. He came to watch our show like a big shot talent. Hey Chris, you may also have heard of as a Dead Stop or Chris Gutierrez. He was a big fucking deal in like, I would say the early days for me of the scene. So like 2004, 2005 era and came back into the public consciousness this summer on MCR's tour when he showed up to the MCR Detroit date uh, to visit Mikey. Yeah. Specifically Mikey. Yeah. I mean, there are pictures of him chatting with Gerard at that show too. Um, So like he did see everyone there, but like... It arguably feels more fucked to have seen images of Hey Chris talk to Gerard and not just Mikey. For it some is reason. so weird because, like, in all this time, I never considered, like, oh, they're brothers. He probably knows both of them. Never in my dizziest daydreams did it occur to me that uh, Mikey introduced his friends to the rest of his band. At all. In the slightest. At no. all. Because, like, Mikey just always gave off the vibe of someone who's like, these are all my friends and you will never meet the rest of my band. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But who knows? I guess not. Is it too early for the Mikey way? It's too early. <laughs> yeah, we have to wait until like, <laughs> we have to wait a bit. Okay. Um, I will say though that that day in Detroit was like the fucking day of all time because that was the day that Frank posted the video of him getting an ass tattoo. So we saw Frank's ass yeah. on Instagram that His day. His whole, the whole moon, the full Literally moon. Literally the entire ass. And then we also saw Gerard in the, the nurse dress at that show yeah and then after the show we got the pictures of hey chris and mikey so it was genuinely just like i don't know like the day of all time a bomb dropped on my timeline and on my dashboard all websites unusable like fully was such a harrowing day it was i think i peeled my eyes open like bleary eyed at you know the bright and early time of noon (laughs) probably (laughs) To my friend being like, you have to see, you like, you have to go see what Hey Chris posted. And I was like, what do you mean, look at what Hey Chris posted? A phrase I have not heard since maybe 2008. Yeah. Like, at the (laughs) Um, absolute latest. And it was his fucking, uh, like, the Instagram post of him, like, being, like, on my way to Detroit to see my chem. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Yeah. You're on your way. Yeah. What what do you mean? Uh Uh-huh. All right? Um, and that was, that was fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, so who is he? Why did we freak out when we saw this guy? That's a great question. I feel like we just launched into being like, Hey, this dude's nuts. And then didn't explain who he was at all. Yeah. No. Well, that's what the whole rest of the episode is about. Uh, we're going to talk about who Hey Chris is and why he is a big deal. Um, also at the start of this, I want to say, Hey Chris, if you're listening to this, stop fucking listening to this. Cause I know that that bitch is nosy. Um, And I say this with affection. Get out of my house. (laughs) People talk about you. I want you to not listen to us talk about you. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything (laughs) bad. No. Trust me that I'm going to be normal, but go away. 
go away. This is not my business. This is not your business. Uh, stop listening now. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Okay. That's it. <laughs> okay. Now that now that hey Chris isn't listening to this. Yeah, he's gone. Um, who is he? <laughs> so to tell the story of who hey Chris is, um, we do have to start with Pete Wentz, as it always fucking does. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's how genuinely every single story about Pop Punk is going to start. It's either going to be Pete Wentz was there or Gabe Supporter was there or both of them were there. And better or worse, it's either going to happen in Chicago or it's going to happen in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the scene. Yep. So we, we're we starting off with Pete Wentz. And we're kicking it back not just to the naughty oddies. We're going back to 1998. Yeah. With this lore. Yeah. I was six. I was three. Yeah, so I was not yet listening <laughs> to hardcore bands. No, and my mom is a notorious person who hates any sort of hard rock music where she doesn't like Led Zeppelin. Like when Led Zeppelin happened in the 80s, she's like, wow, this sucks. And then was like, Act- well, not the 80s. That was like the 60s, 70s. Yeah. But even then she was like, this fucking blows. And then in the 80s she was like wow you two is great and i'm like what is the truth judith but anyway regardless that is to say she's that i my mother was me. certainly she's crazy which to me uh to, all that is to say that in 1998 my mother was not exposing me to hardcore at all yeah my mother was exposing me to um cat stevens and alice cooper what a dichotomy yeah what a juxtaposition she's got taste I understand Lisa on the Cat Stevens front for sure. That was a that was a Judy special. Huge Cat Stevens fan and uh, Sabbath. Huge Cat Stevens fan. That was not in the in the Judy household. Yeah, no, I'll redact my mother's last name. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so that's what we were listening to in 1998. But what Pete Wentz and Chris were listening to was obviously a lot of hardcore music. Um, they were very involved in their local scene in Chicago, and uh, Pete, who at that point I think had been in like a ton of fucking bands he was in a band called birthright that he posted about on instagram like yesterday which was known for being like a vegan straight edge band that like wrote songs about like sexism and racism and he was also in a band called race trader with uh, andy hurley who drums for fallout boy was also in race trader i think at one point but pete wentz started a new band called arma angelis and in that band was one of the guys from Rise Against, Tim McIlrath, uh, a guy named Jay Jansetic, who was in Holy Roman Empire and Arms, Harm's Way, Daniel Benet, who was also in Race Trader, Adam Bishop, who I don't think is in any kind of band now, says on Wikipedia that he's like a high school teacher, which like good for him. Um, no, go off. But yeah, like that rules. Timothy Miller who played drums and now owns a piercing studio. Um, so That's kind of sick. Yeah, that rules. So the band was originally called Novana. Uh, they changed the name to Arma Angelus. Which, to, like, hearing you say Arma Angelus is crazy to me because I've never actually heard it said out loud, I don't think, for some reason. No? Ever. And I've always just said it in my head as Arma Angelus, which oh. is totally not right. I mean, it probably is. If we're doing it in Latin, it is almost certainly Angelus because, like, they don't, like, if it was going to be Angelus, it would be, like, a J. I'm definitely saying it wrong, but I'm going to continue saying it wrong. But, it, so but it's sorry. spelled, like, angels, so, like, it makes sense. Anyway, yeah. I didn't take Latin in high school, and you did, so. Yeah, my Latin professor would be really angry at me. Um, and you also went to Catholic school, so the I whole, did. it all, like, works. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to your judgment on this one. <laughs> I mean, my judgment is that I know that I'm saying it wrong, and I'm choosing to continue. So, sorry. Well, 
Um, <laughs> so after uh, Tim McIlrath left Arma to sound Rise Against, he was replaced by Chris Gutierrez, who at the time was a touring author and spoken word artist. So he was playing bass in Arma with Pete uh, from about 1999 onward. And they released, as that band, two EPs and one album. Uh, So the first EP was called The Personal is Political. The second EP was called The Grave End of the Shovel. These are great names. They are. Damn. And they're also really like, wow, like Pete was doing fucking like politics. (laughs) Like he's still doing politics with Fall Out Boy. But this was very, like... upfront, Yeah. In a way that you genuinely cannot ignore. And, like, not couching under layers of purple prose and, like, metaphor and shit. This was like, hey, <laughs> this is exactly. politics. And, like, arguably by the time we got to Folie Adu, honestly, even Infinity on High, uh, he had kind of stopped hiding it so much. Like, it was definitely a lot more yeah. obvious when he was writing about political stuff. But it, there was still definitely, like, layers and layers and layers. And you could, like reasonably read the song in like multiple different ways not so much yeah. on folio do when he's like very specifically talking about bush but like yeah and that's the peter Wentz difference yeah it really is so and then in 2001 they released uh their only full-length album um this was the same year that fallout boy was founded so they played their last show in 2001 on a what word am I looking for? A billing. Like, Fallout Boy was also billed at that show. Mm-hmm. So Pete kind of ended one band and started a new band, like, on the same day, basically. That is so... That's such a fucking Pete Wentz thing to do. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's nuts. Also, at some point in Arma, like, every single member of Fallout Boy has played in that band at some point. Uh, Patrick yeah. played drums for it once. Uh, Andy played drums for them once. And Joe, like, kind of famously, because this is how Pete and Joe came to start Fallout Boy together, played guitar or played bass for Arma on a tour that they went on because Chris could not get time off work. Which is, like, such a fucking adult thing. <laughs> like, hey, I can't play with my band. I have my nine to five. Yeah. And Pete was like, well, I know this, like, 17-year-old who comes to all our shows, so I'm going to go talk to his parents and convince them <laughs> to let him come on tour with us. And let me just drive him around the Midwest for a couple months and then come back. And uh, this is mentioned in Joe's memoir. He's like, I genuinely do not know what Pete said to my parents because he wasn't in the room with them. (laughs) He just knows that, like, they came out and the deal had been made. Know what? Knowing this about how Joe got into Fall Out Boy suddenly makes Pete adopting Panic at the Disco make so much more sense now. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a pattern of behavior. Yeah. <laughs> Pete's like, uh, I see a really talented child. They're gonna come be in my band with me now. This is my wonder kid. Yeah, I mean, I'm Pete, taking it's him not now. Like Pete was like forty, just like collecting teenagers. I think at this point he was like no, twenty-one, no. so it's like significantly less weird. But it was still just yeah, like no. that. That's still like fairly normal. Like, hey, come with me. The fucking Rumpelstiltskin of K, uh, not K-pop, of pop punk. Yeah, no, literally, like the fucking Pied Piper. So I am one of maybe four people in the world who has Arma's album like a physical copy um that and that's i your found flex of the day yeah uh, i found it in the stacks of the record store that i used to work at for oh my god that was that was the $2. store that i met you online yeah you're still working there <laughs> yeah that was where i worked when you first met me on homestuck tumblr yes 
I had I had just gotten fired from my candy store job and went on to work at a record store. Yeah, that fully still checks out for you. Yeah, I got fired from the candy. This is the only job I've ever been fired from. And I want to very specifically say I was not fired because I was bad at the job. I was fired because uh, my boss did not like that I was giving everyone their legally required breaks. And you were fully like, what, 16? No, I was like 18 at that point. So I didn't take it to like, I didn't take it any further. I was just like, yeah, sure. I'll go get a new job. But all those candy stores are now closed and I am still here. So who the fuck won? Mike, I did. Get fucked mike yeah pete is credited in the album booklet for this album as petey wentz jesus christ like with a y yeah god Uh, (laughs) pete was also the vocalist for this band yes yeah yes i forgot about that Mm -hmm. like is arma on spotify um i don't think that they are because at one point someone asked uh hey chris like can you please make sure that arma gets on spotify and he was like i genuinely have no control over that like we did have I think they had a label. Oh, shit. Um, Hold on. Hold on. That would have been a very small label. Arma Ingalis. Are they on there? Is, in fact, they're on Spotify. Damn. Yo. Okay. Well, you can listen to them. You can listen to all five of their songs. Okay. It's a whole seven. 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 Yeah. It's their full album, though, where Sleeplessness is Rest from Nightmares is on there. Yeah. So. Seven songs, 35 minutes and 59 seconds of Pete screaming into a microphone. Where you, it's unintelligible, I will tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I mean, if you're familiar with, like, hardcore from that era and, like, very DIY music from that era, I mean, it sounds like that. Which yeah. is to say, a lot of people are going to say it sounds bad. And then if you're big brain like we are, we're like, this fucks. <laughs> yeah, I will say it's obviously, like, an acquired taste. Um, yeah. If you're more used to, like, Pete's other work. But once you've acquired that taste... You're going to have a really good fun time. It does. And also, like, the trajectory sonically from Arma to, like, the first two Fall Boy albums makes so much more sense. Yeah. Especially uh, Evening Out With Your Girlfriend. It's just mm-hmm. very, like, which wasn't an album. It was, like, an EP. But it's, like, that sound it's is. The, it's the first album in my heart. <laughs> it's it's rough, you know? So, like, it, yeah. it makes sense that that's where they went. Definitely DIY. Yeah. Anyway, you have the you have the lyric booklet. Petey Wentz is credited. Petey Wentz is credited in there, and so is Chris Gutierrez. There's a lot of thank yous in there, like to the scene at large. Yeah, that was that was where Pete and Chris kind of formed this friendship together. And after that band broke up, and Pete went on to found Fallout Boy, uh, they really stayed friends. Like Pete or Chris, rather, did not go on to do more music, to my knowledge. Though he did stay like no, a very active so. part of the scene. Uh, yeah, he went back to, I think, like, writing for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, doing, like, spoken word and readings and publishing other people's work. He was basically a scene queen with an actual job. <laughs> yeah. No, like, it was very much just, like, yeah, it was exactly that. Like, he would go to every single show and knew everybody and, like, didn't actually make any music or have much involvement in it. But, like, he knew everything. Mm-hmm. And everyone kind of knew who he was. If yeah. you said, hey, Chris, you're like, oh, yeah, I know who I know who Chris is. Yeah. Um, he became Hey Chris in 2003 when Fall Out Boy put out Take This to Your Grave and included a song about Chris, uh, which is Grenade Jumper. Are we able to mm-hmm, put in a mm-hmm. clip from that, do you think? Do you think we'll get... I think we... Do you think we'll get arrested? Mm, probably not. Yeah. I think if it's under... I'm counting it if it's 10 seconds under, that counts as fair use. Yeah, we'll find out, so. I guess. <laughs> If you hear an audio clip after this moment, we figured it out. It-
Yeah. And he is listed in the thank yous of this album as Hey Chris, uh, Dead Stop. Um, that's Dead Stop spelled Dead X Stop because uh, in the 2000s, if you were straight edge or vegan or hardcore, you put an X with everything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a lot of people who look at back on emo and like scene aesthetics now. Mm-hmm. think that the x is like just an aesthetic choice i'm like no 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 there it was very much a like code <laughs> yeah it was signifying something like yeah. uh sxc meant like that you were straight edge which meant that you didn't uh drink or do any drugs um it mm-hmm. often went hand in hand with being vegan yeah it was like a far more politicized and arguably like a a cooler way of approaching it i don't know like a better word to describe what like straight edge looked like back in the 2000s because i feel like when you say oh i don't drink i don't do drugs and i'm vegan now it's like so wrapped up in like fucked up wellness culture yeah no exactly but it was like a hardcore like political statement (laughs) no exactly and like people did like have a lot of respect for straight edge people in the scene then oh yeah because when i was in high school if i said to kids in my class like i don't drink you know like that was just kind of like oh because like you don't want to get in trouble like you're scared of your parents and if i said i'm straight edge then they were like oh yeah no that's cool because like that means that like you are like a left-leaning like really politically aware like Mm -hmm. you have ideals you're not just like i don't want to get grounded (laughs) yeah and of course it was like a whole scene attached to it and like music attached to it Mm yeah yeah i feel like I'm sure there's still a straight edge scene now. I'm just like not as aware of it as I once was. So if you know anything about like what the straight edge scene looks like now, let us know. Yeah. But. Um, God, do you remember is it still fucking cool? uh, How's Your Edge? <laughs> yeah. Fucking howsyouredge.com was a <laughs> website where people would like. So like if you were famous in the scene for being straight edge, How's Your Edge would like keep track of you. <laughs> It was, like, Mm -hmm. how these kids were, like, kind of policing each other almost because they would fully just, like, post a picture of, like, whoever from the scene, like, at a bar or whatever holding a glass and be, like, how's your fucking edge? Like, saw that you were drinking. Saw that you were smoking a cigarette. Like, how's your edge? Like, fucking (laughs) your fave is problematic ass No, literally. Except it was just, like, they used legal alcohol at a bar where they are of legal age. So it was <laughs> honestly worse. It was so stupid. It's <laughs> It was so stupid. I'm glad that's not well <laughs> there's like a trajectory there. There's in a trajectory terms of, there. You know yeah. with fandom and, you know, scene stuff where you see that even now with the kids on online. Yeah. And they're dogpiling and shit. Uh-huh. Fuck. I'm glad that we left that one behind at least, though. So much. So, so much. Yeah. So they mention uh, Hey Chris on this album. He's getting this entire song about him and he gets mentioned in the thank yous. Um, By the time their next album came out in 2005, he's not mentioned in the thank yous, but he is still mentioned in the booklet. Mm -hmm. Am I doing ASMR right now as I'm opening the albums and like turning the pages? Like, can you hear this? Yeah, we have fucking um primary documents going on on this pod (laughs) so you guys know how fucking serious we are about this shit (laughs) oh yeah this is me like with all my shit i have a stack of albums next to me so fallout boy would like to thank the following companies for continuing support and then they list like ampeg cnc custom drums dean barkley strings fender guitars gibson guitars crank amplification 
Mesa Engineering, Sabian, Vic Firth, Clandestine Industries, Atticus Clothing, Nike, and Paul Frank. Fuck, Nike was just, like, up the emo scene's ass for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And they still are. Like, what is going on? Is 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 the shoe brand that Frank does shit with, is that Adidas or is that Nike? No, that's Nike. Yeah, okay. They just, that's like, send him fucking <laughs> shoes. Frank Aero from uh, MyChem just, like, has, like, a billion Nikes. They just, like, send him this shit. Like, he's a weird sneakerhead now, but only yeah. for Nikes. But it's also, like, <laughs> these guys are not doing what Nikes are made to do. So how did this get? I don't know. It's I can't get into it right now. Um, <laughs> I can't get into it right now, but like, that is a, we're going to put a pin in that one and open up that fucking uh, bag of can of worms. Can of worms, not bag of worms. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, they list all these thank yous, and then directly under that, it says, left off all thanks list. Hey, Chris call out post of the fucking century yeah like that's so goddamn loaded and so dramatic and they not only put that on the like original from under the cork tree they put it on the reissue that included like the dvd documentary so like they fucking meant it so yeah like the next album came out and they were like we're still fucking mad um (laughs) so god who knows who knows what happened nobody knows except for that we do know (laughs) because it was a very public falling out it was so messy. Like, you think about how messy YouTuber shit is. Like, we all know. What was the fucking name of the, uh, my brain's running on, like, empty today. Tatiana? Yeah, the whole Tatiana Westbrook, James Charles, James Charles, Jeffrey, yeah. Jeffrey fucking Star, which we are going to do an entire episode on that guy. Um, the thing is that Jeffrey Star shows up in this episode. Like, it's so funny that yeah. you mentioned that. He's in this episode. But, like... Like, that level of fallout, of course, is highly publicized because YouTube was a thing. But this was our makeup guru fallout for maybe 100 people. And it was. It was. <laughs> Except it was even less. It was even more niche than that. Because Hey Chris was fully, like, not famous famous. Like, Fallout Boy was kind of famous at this point. Like, was from under the mm-hmm. court tree. They were, like, on MTV and shit. So it was kind of like if, I don't know, like, who's an equivalent level of fame to that right now? I have no idea. I have no fucking idea who's famous right now. I don't know who's famous right now, nor... There's also, like, no MTV equivalent. It's really, like, you're famous or you're not. Yeah. I almost, I would say, like, any of the indie pop, like, sad girl music stars. Yeah. Like, I guess, like, Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. But, like, a year or two ago. It's like if Phoebe Bridgers had a massive public falling out with someone that you had never fucking heard of and yeah then that became the subject of conversation for the next 17 years <laughs> yeah it's so silly and the and the way that it was public was not via you know youtube it was not public via instagram it was not via tiktok fo- like facebook because none of those websites fucking existed mm-hmm. uh what we have is live journal entries yeah and this shit is so important that we're going to read the entire posts verbatim for you yeah <laughs> because they're so crazy yeah so do you want to get us started on this one? <laughs> oh, i will so in february 2006 chris posted this is live journal so this is after from where the cork tree came out says all right and i quote an open letter to Pete Wentz. It takes a lot to make me mad. It takes even more to infuriate me. 
So after all this time, I finally learned the truth that it was you telling my ex-girlfriend lies and secrets. Despite even giving you the pass card after I caught you trying to talk dirty to her online, this is how you repay me. No wonder why you couldn't look me in the eye on the bus last summer and no wonder why you avoided me every chance you got. You hug me and tell me you love me, then you tell lies to my girlfriend behind my back to lure her away from me. You can, you tell her I cheat on on her and then you tell me to come stay on the bus. You are a spineless fucking sham. I regret every second I spent defending you and yourself ways don't forget i know you not that shitty glammed up poser image you present to the masses to consume the dude i knew never would have worn a fucking dinosaur shirt or sold one out or sold out one of his friends the dude i knew had heart and fucking loyalty well little buddy you are fucking done you want to sell me out to the most important person in my life and then have the audacity to make me think i did something wrong to deserve your friendship to to not deserve your friendship you fucking arrogant bastard since we're discussing sellouts let's discuss how when kids give you presents you laugh at them and throw it straight in the trash oh yeah i've seen it many times let's talk about how you talk shit about the fat girls that are your fans and mock their letters you are fucking undeserving of every ounce of attention you've ever gotten from every one of your calculated business moves to your spontaneous in quotes jumps in the crowd parts to your well-rehearsed cliche lines you've been spouting for 400 shows in a row you're boring, contrived, and old. Ooh, no one loves me. It's so hard being on magazine covers and TV shows. Someone save me from me. What are you, fucking 12? Go light your little candles. Ask yourself why no one will ever truly love you. It's amazing no one has caught on to your your little fucking show. You're nothing more than a shitty opportunist businessman with an even shittier fashion sense. So pack up and... <laughs> So pack up and move to whatever million dollar house you've picked out in California paid for by your lies and hypocrisy and deceit and selfishness and over medicate yourself like you've been doing for years because guess what no one wants you here anymore you are not welcome. Oh, yeah. How's that straight edge tattoo doing as well as a tattoo for your crew who now refer to you as a fraud and a con? Stay gold, dude. Stay gold. Remember this each night of the tour when you play the lie. Hey, Chris, you were our only friend. Downplay it all you want by saying the song's about friends. But guess whose fucking name you're saying each and every night? Mine. That's right. What a bunch of fucking phonies. Sing the songs you don't even believe in anymore. Fucking liar. You know the friends I have and you know how we feel about loyalty. You know who I'm talking about and you know they're not happy either. So don't get caught slipping and you better make damn sure by Take Back Sunday. No. <laughs> <laughs> you watch who's on your guest list plus a because a plus one might come backstage to punch your fucking teeth out and tear the windpipe from your throat. You fucking sell out. Oh, and next time you decide to write another song about me, do it right, you fucking coward. Huge needle drop so... with the Taking Back Sunday in the last paragraph there. Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Taking Back Sunday part was not in the in the text of the live journal post itself i just needed to include that yeah that was you editorializing um yeah i will say i have always been a pete fashion sense apologist i am to this day and i do say apologist i said that i'm not a millionaire's apologist because they have nothing to apologize for i do think that pete has to apologize for his fashion sense but i'm also apologizing for him because i love it um and with that said we can now continue yeah so he posts that um, that got immediately reposted to a bunch of Fall Out Boy communities on LiveJournal, which is how I found it, because Chris's old LiveJournal, like that post has now been made private. Which, understandably so, now yeah. that you're not, you know, 23 and angry. Yeah. Um, he didn't delete it, though, it, because like when I get on LiveJournal, like his journal is still there. His posts are all still there. And it doesn't say like this post doesn't exist. It says like, I don't have access to it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that he just like locked it to his friends list. <laughs> Which is kind of like, okay, that's dude. Serve. <laughs> I guess that's something you wanted to preserve for yourself. By all means. Yeah, go for it. Um, but it is 
archived on like every fucking fallout boy community i'm sure that it's on a million different tumblr sites um oh yeah you know it's that's how we still have it today pete responded on his official fueled by ramen blog through his record label which i think is gone i don't think that any of those blogs exist anymore um they might be accessible through the wayback machine i didn't try because this post is also archived on a bunch of different tumblr accounts and live journals mm-hmm. but pete wrote an equally pretty long response and on a more official public channel yeah on the actual fueled by ramen website <laughs> yeah and pete did at the time maintain several like massive air quotes secret blogs and they weren't secret. They weren't but. secret. Like, everyone knew that they were his. But he wasn't, like, officially claiming them. He was posting, like, lyric snippets and, like, kind of journal entries to those. And the Fueled by Ramen blog was left more to, like, I guess, official tour business than, like, tour updates and studio updates, that kind of thing. So he used that to respond to Chris. Um, and I'll read this one. Yes. Oh, what a monster we've created. When I'm called by my manager to read a post that is burning through the internet, it makes me wonder... I've never responded to rumors or shit-talking online, no matter who it came from. At the same time, there is nothing that makes my blood boil more than reading this. Being who I am, my first instinct is to blow it off. But then I consider how anytime anything is written on the internet, people believe it's true. No matter what, no matter what the biases or subjectivity of the sources. My first instinct is to lash out, to say everything I think about you in every situation, to defend myself and attack you. As unbelievable as it is, I'm an extremely insecure person. Every time I read something about myself, negative or positive, I react in probably the exact same way anyone would. But like I said, I'm going to continue to do this my own way, what I consider to be the higher road. I understand when we get angry, we often lash out. I've done it myself on many occasions. If you want to talk to me about any of this, call me on my cell phone and we can do this one-on-one. I will not be responding to anything else. However, the attacks about our fans and the people who listen to this music and read these words is completely off base. The fans of my band are my entire life. I've lost my girlfriend, my friends, much of my normal life to make and keep this relationship going. This isn't to say that I don't make mistakes, take missteps. Just because you see me on TV or a show doesn't make me anything less or more than human. You don't ever see the other side of the way we agonize over every decision we make or try our best to please everyone. Because we've given up in bands before and we know how it feels and we don't want that to happen. Everyone in the band is upset about this. Remember, everyone that makes up Fallout Boy. They all want to be the voice that we appreciate our fans and friends and that we've met more than anything. And that we realize because of where we are, all the arrows are pointed at us. But we will try our best. And we do try our best. We also have far more faith in the intelligence and dedication of the people that believe in us to think that they will be swayed easily. If you want to hear stories, if you want to hear other stories of how we actually talk about our fans or think of them, please ask other bands. They will testify to how we really act. We just want you to know that in four years, when no one cares, we still hope you are there. I'm not going to freak out or whatever, but please, an attack on our fans or our relationship with them is, as a PR move is uncalled for. This doesn't need to be reposted anywhere. I'm sure that FOB fans know where to find it. Chris, if you want to talk, the phone line is there. I wrote this pretty fast, so I apologize for the typos and run-ons. Until then, thank you to everyone who reserves judgment and has my back until the end of time. Petey. With a Y. With a Y. Yeah, like so crazy. Woo! Like that was targeted. Yep. With the Y at the end there. Yep. And also, it does need to be said that all of these are in laps lock. There oh, are yeah. no. <laughs> there yeah, are no. Chris did not use any capitals, um, except for like once when he said like me and I in like I. all caps. Um, and that was also it. does not use any capitals. 
Um, and also after reading all those primary source documents that we have from Live Journal and the Field by Robin blog, we're going to take a quick break uh, real quick between our sets here and we'll be right back after a word from our friends at Moonshot Podcast. Hey, CJ, is that Gahooligans promo ready yet? Sure is, PB. You want to hear it? Yeah. Hello, Owlets. I can hear your beaks churring with the who's, the why's, and other forbidden questions about Catherine Lasky's Guardians of Gahool. Join us, the Gahooligans, twice every dwanking in the great blue yonder for some glocks given spronk, some laughter therapy, and some subglossious ransacking of literary merit. Okay, I only understood about a third of that. And did you use an owl swear in there? No. You didn't do the assigned reading? No, that's your job, CJ. I'm just here for the owl facts. Well, we'll have to work on your vocabulary. I guess you'll have to teach me every other week on Gahooligans. Only on the Moonshot Network. And we hope you enjoyed that message from one of our friends over at Moonshot Podcasts. So what was the aftermath of this? We kind of <laughs> seriously don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they talked. Maybe they didn't. Chris did publish a response on LiveJournal that is now private and I couldn't find it uh, anywhere. I think that maybe that one was like friends locked to begin with and anyone who was on his friends list just wouldn't have reposted it which like fair you know what like that's a real one after all his talk about like loyalty and like his crew and shit it's nice to know that the people who are in uh hey chris's court you know respected that boundary yeah <laughs> we never really saw the response uh-huh um so if they talked about this afterwards we we do not know we do know that chris posted a response on one of his other blogs um and this is the one that kind of did get passed around and archived and that is kind of famous i guess mm -hmm. in bandom because it is a lot so after yeah. all that chris posts hetero life mates all one word i hate being this all one word hetero life mates i won't lie i hate being this dude i wish it wouldn't have come to this but goddamn he's right no one knows how to break a heart like he does like are we having a fucking laugh yeah, it's just, it's very, like, like you're, I I would not post that where people could see, if it were me. It's so fucking charged. And, like, this is what you get for having two dudes beefing with each other who are both poets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You just get heart-wrenching lines like that. Yeah, this is literally, like, some fucking Herman Melville and Nathaniel Hawthorne type shit. Like, yeah. The fact that just... we're comparing Acres <laughs> and Pete Wentz to those two. Well, I was going to say Arthur Rimbaud, and I couldn't remember the guy who Arthur Rimbaud was, like, obsessed with. Uh, Verlaine. Paul Verlaine. Paul Verlaine. Paul Verlaine. Okay. Yeah. So if, I don't know, it's, it's like, either Nathaniel Hawthorne and Herman Melville or, like, Arthur Rimbaud and Paul Verlaine. Um, and it's also, like, a little Greek warrior, like, tragedy, like, just a little bit. Well, no, completely, because that's how everyone in the scene treated being in the scene. Like, it wasn't just, like, we are fans of music who hang out together. It was very, like, it was, like, in the last episode, we quoted Travi saying, like, it was very gangish. Like, it was. It was very us versus them. Every day is a war. And we are soldiers on the same team. And mm -hmm. 
so a betrayal then on a personal level was seen as like high fucking treason instead mm-hmm. of just like normal human conflict that sometimes is shittier than other times like yeah. it was always at like level 10 emotion and like that 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 is the whole point of emo at the end of the day is that people singing about emotions to the degree that the emotions deserve to be sung at oh yeah and it's like totally an inc- incredibly vulnerable genre and it was like men finally expressing themselves in the way that they've always like desired to express themselves mm-hmm. uh in a way that combated you know hundreds of years of toxic masculinity and yeah. that and we can get into it later on but that's the reason why like emo was so there's such a pushback against it because it was dudes actually talking about their feelings for once and the rest of society didn't like that mm-hmm. and that's why there was so much it like liking emo became so loaded and coded for being you know gay or marginalized in any way shape or form because mm-hmm. of that but the, we don't have time to get into all that right now. Yeah. But, like, that's why, like, a, a, even a friendship breakup like this was so crazy. Yeah. And had had such, uh, like, aftershocks throughout the mm-hmm. scene because everyone was friends with Pete. And then, by extension, everyone was friends with Hey Chris. And suddenly yeah. now people had to choose sides. And it was so incredibly public. <laughs> you had kids in, like, the Fallout Boy Love Live Journal community saying, like, well, like, how do I listen to Grenade Jumper after this, you know? Because, like, mm-hmm. knowing that that friendship has collapsed and knowing that now neither of them necessarily believe in that or knowing that Chris is saying, like, next time you write a song about me, do it right. Like, it really does make it difficult to listen to that in the same way when you've got these deep emotional connections to everyone involved with it. And also, like, it did plant a seed of doubt about Pete. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, we can't listen to hey, like a song about Hey Chris anymore. It was like, hey, maybe there is a nugget of truth to what Chris is saying. Yeah. You know? Like, it kind of shattered an illusion about, like, the relationship between Fall Boy and the fans. Like, a little bit. It planted a seed of doubt. And, and it's important with any sort of, like, parasocial relationship you have with any sort of figurehead who has a, who has a public image, mm-hmm. you know? It was, like, kind of the first instance of, oh, shit, hold on, maybe we do need to take a step back about Fall Boy, like, just a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, I, like, genuinely do not know what Pete was like behind the scenes, obviously. And, like, he doesn't Mm -hmm. even specifically say, like, I'm not throwing out gifts, I'm not making fun of my fat fans. You know, he just says, like, I'm not the things that you're saying about me, like, I'm not that bad. Mm -hmm. And you can ask anyone else. Um, And even... Even that, ask other bands that we tour with, like, who's to say that you're not putting on the same show for them that you're putting on for fans, you know? Like, yeah. it's genuinely, like, we genuinely just do not have a way of knowing how he was behaving behind closed doors. And, like, frankly, it's not our business to know. Mm-hmm. Like, if the one-on-one rea- interaction that you had with him went well for you, then, like, great, that's that's the truth. That's the thing that happened, you know? Exactly. Anything else that happened after that, who knows? That- who knows? That's got nothing to do with you at that point. And then after all of this, we have the event of a century. An event that defined, you know, everything for a long time. Yeah. Pete Wentz's dick pics leak. Yeah. Yeah. But also, it it sucks that no one's news should ever be, like, leaked. And we don't really want to ruminate on it that much. But this was a significant event. Yeah. 
And Chris was accused of leaking them, and both he and Pete did deny that. Yeah. Like, at the time, they were both saying, like, we that wasn't him, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and I do believe that that's true. Yeah, I, I don't think that, like, despite how much Chris, like, was angry at Pete, I don't think he would ever do something like that. Yeah. And I think it did... I think they did eventually find, like, the specific person who did do it. Um, And I don't know, like, if they ever came public about that or what. I think it was just, like, a fan hacked into Pete's phone. Yeah. And that, like, it sucks so fucking bad. And it was bad enough that Pete fully tried to quit Fall Out Boy because of it. Mm -hmm. And he had to be talked out of it by the rest of the band. And he was horribly depressed. They eventually did find levity in it where they are able to make fun of it by Infinity on High. Yeah. But in the moment as it was happening, bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it was it was bad. And, like, Patrick Stump, like, the lead singer of Fall Out Boy, kind of famously doesn't talk a ton in interviews or, like, used to not talk a ton. But when people would ask him about that, he would, like, get really mad. Like, he is quite defensive of Pete, like, mm-hmm. on a good day. Uh, when this was happening, he was really not Ready to throw it. hands. Yeah, he was ready to go. <laughs> And understandably, because, like, someone, uh, yeah. like, assaulted your friend, basically. Yeah. And and that's not cool. No. <laughs> Ever. But that it was an important moment in this history, and now we are going... And that it's important to note about that. But now yeah. we're going to move on to Chris taking a trip to L.A. Yeah. And he posted a live journal entry about having fallen for a guy with a girlfriend. Uh-huh. Uh, and then... <sighs> that, that little rap bastard's coming up again. Yep. Then he posts a bunch of pictures of himself with, drum roll please, Mikey Way. (laughs) Michael James Way. Yep. Uh, We cannot get through a single fucking episode without talking about this guy, I don't think. I mean, it's episode two, but I don't think we're ever going to. No, he's going to come up in some way every single time. And yeah, that's true. We tried to have our Mikey Way hate moment four minutes into this podcast but now it's actually relevant (laughs) now we're actually having it and we're not even gonna make it a minute or a moment because we're gonna be talking about him for a little bit yeah that's true i don't even need to start the timer because it's gonna be for the rest of this episode (laughs) and again the disclaimer is that's a joke chloe and i fucking love michael james way we have tattoos dedicated to him both of us we do do. (laughs) they're matching yeah (laughs) so this is only to be said with the most utmost love Uh uh-huh but what happens these photos are the funniest fucking thing in the entire world it's so funny we will post them on our twitter account when this episode goes live which by the way if you're not following us on twitter it is at so emo pod and that's when you can know when episodes do go live and sometimes we're funny on there but occasionally it is like like I, I cannot even begin to explain what these images look like it is pictures of the most, the wettest, saddest, poorest, littlest, littlest meow meow, Mikey Way, in bed cuddling plushies with Chris uh, draped, like, looking longingly at him. He's, like, laying on the bed holding a pillow in front of his face. Being so coy, so cute. And it's like, you know that, the only thing I can think to compare this to is, like, Jerma when he was eating that burger and he kind of like hid his face behind it uh he's literally holding the pillow (laughs) he's literally holding the pillow like that and chris is like on him yeah it's like when e-girls like 
have their really cute oversized hoodies and like they're they're they got like sweater paws and they're like holding it over his their faces like that's what mikey's doing yeah he was the blueprint (laughs) yeah no he genuinely fucking was um all the girls today want what mikey way had in the 2000s and Um, this is this is important (laughs) because this is coming out after the end of the summer of like which if you're not familiar with the summer of like which was we can't get into like a whole thing about summer like because that's going to be a three-part series but <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to lie to you uh-huh. uh summer of like was warp tour 05 when pete wentz and mikey way famously had a very public friendship mm-hmm. and they were really good friends for a summer and then it got weird yeah and there was a lot of speculation about what was going on there yeah so these photos came out after their friendship got weird yeah so this was basically a direct missile launch attack on pete wentz <laughs> yeah this was genuinely chris being like okay i didn't do the thing with the dick pics i am doing this which is like bro <laughs> like that he's crazy. already dead leave him alone <laughs> like go do something else don't post a photo of you holding mikey's hand to your chest while you gaze at him and then like another picture where they're just like hugging um yeah it's i would i would go so far as to say that they're cuddling yeah i would go it's... so far as to say that it's a very interesting set of photos and it's weird because they look like they're very posed and like they had someone taking them, which like they did. And we, and we do get that finally. Yeah. We do know who took those photos. Um, should we just say now? Should we just say who took those pictures now? Yeah. It was Jeffrey fucking star. 16 years later, we get the truth. It was Jeffrey star because Chris mentioned this on Twitter like a couple months ago. Someone said, what was the deal with those photos? What was the posing instructions or whatever? And he said, like, they were taken in Jeffree Star's house after we all watched Saw 2 together. And then Mikey bought us ice cream. Which, an absolutely insane sentence. And it never occurred to any of us that Jeffree Star would have been the one involved in this. Yeah, because, like, I knew that they kind of tangentially knew each other. But, like, <laughs> I didn't know that they were at Go Watch Movies at Jeffree's house knew each other and i'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast like you are probably aware that the reason why jeffree star is famous now is not because he has a youtube career and has a makeup company it's because he was a scene queen yeah like he was one of the og scene queens when like whatever he mentions in like interviews he's like oh i was like really into punk rock like bitch you're at fucking warp tour all right yeah jeffree was like showing up at warp jeffree was going to shows like hanging out with all these bands. Jeffrey featured on a Hollywood Undead song. Mm-hmm. Like, Jeffrey had a very short-lived, like, music career. Yeah. Was a scene queen model. He was, like, there's a very famous photo shoot that he did for a art photographer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, a commentary on, like, menstruation or whatever. There's, like, bloody tampons and pads in the shot with yeah. Jeffrey. It's a bizarre photo shoot. But, like, Jeffrey was very integral to the scene, and I don't think any of us knew that he was actually friends friends with anyone from like Mike Hem, yeah until chris revealed it this year well 2022 but like uh-huh crazy so shit. um yeah and when chris says uh like i'm in love with a guy who has a girlfriend he's talking about uh alicia simmons who was mikey's girlfriend at the time later his wife mm-hmm. now his ex-wife but alicia at the time was going by alicia Payne, um and she was in a crew called world's most hated crew with hey chris and then some other scene ca- scene queens uh, named Megan Mayhem, Miss E, and 
Eliza Cutts. Eliza is also known as Eliza Blue. She was Gerard's ex. She also just had like a weird controversy on Twitter this week. Like I read an article about her because she like, I don't know, teamed up with Elon Musk to like root out all the traffickers from Twitter. Like and a bunch of her old friends were calling her like a pathological liar, which like people were already doing like in her scene days were saying like you are making up stuff about you and Gerard. So yeah, that was like the crew that they were in and they were all kind of friends with Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. So like through that, it kind of makes sense that like, oh, like Mikey is like dating this girl who is in this group that Hey Chris is also in and they're all kinds of friends with Jeffrey. Like it was just a really weird web. It's just seen like seeing queen drama is crazy that it's so integral to how the scene worked and functioned and how things got public and how things like what scandals happened because of them yeah because they fully weren't even groupies they were just like people who went to shows and posted a lot and like hung out yeah and like sure a lot of them did end up being in relationships with uh band members and stuff like that and became Mm -hmm. really important figures for like band band lore itself but they were like the original influencers honestly like the reasons why we have to me at least like the through line of scene queens to influencer is a direct line 100 percent. like you had these girls being in hot topic photo shoots for like skeleton animals and shit yeah like they were the thing the ones who made like the things that were popular in the scene popular because you know Audrey Kitching or uh, Jack Vanek was posing in, like, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Or fucking Kiki Cannibal. <laughs> yeah, Kiki Cannibal. Uh, who was the other one? Like, Eliza, not Eliza. Uh, uh, Hannah Beth. Hannah Beth, Zoe something. Yeah. But, yeah, crazy stuff. So they all ended up being friends with one another. And it was, like, again, a direct missile launch attack on Pete when he was already down. <laughs> And yeah. so following the Mikey Way post, Pete updates his aim status, which at this time, Pete had, like we mentioned in our previous episode, dudes and bands were really accessible in a way that some of them just like didn't really understand the boundary between like fan and person in band. And they were accessible via their AOL instant messenger before we had proper texting or yeah. like <laughs> Discord or DMs. You would have your aim. And mm-hmm. personalizing your away status was a fucking art form, and I truly miss it. I miss it so bad. So badly. Like, Take Twitter, it, like, bring it back. I can't do it on Discord in the same way I could. I can't do it, and subtweeting does not evoke the same level of pomp and circumstance as the perfectly curated away message was. At all. And at this point, Pete updates, again, his aim status, saying... Fuck everything, and by everything, I mean everyone. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's kind of where the Hey Chris versus Pete Wentz lore ends, publicly at least. And Hey Chris kind of goes dormant for a while. He uh, kind of rebrands himself, uh, again, still doing poet work. Um, but mm-hmm. now he runs a cat rescue slash yeah. cafe in Chicago. And this is a very funny anecdote that one of my mutuals on Twitter who followed this cat rescue who was really into bandom didn't realize it was hey chris who owned it until like hey chris kind of came back into the public conscience after posting about going to see my chem yeah (laughs) i remember you telling me this your friend being like that's the guy i adopted my cat from yeah and fully like she's a huge like bandom person like Mm -hmm. fucking loves fallout boy and like panic and all that shit so the not not making the connection is really funny yeah, this is why you got to know your history, because you never know that 
Like, maybe the guy that you're adopting your cat from was friends with Pete once in the 2000s and had a Mm -hmm. very public fight with him. Yeah. So we don't really hear much more about Hey Chris until, you know, he posts about going to see My Chemical Romance. And then he was like, you know what? I want attention again. I will talk about things in the scene. His post about going to see My Chem was also, like, kind of perfectly crafted to bring back people who would have really been following like the Chris Mikey Pete drama in the day because he does quote one of Pete's blog entries in his Instagram post and it was a summer of like blog entry yeah is so like fucking (laughs) I don't like to use words that harm people sometimes but that's fucking psychotic (laughs) (laughs) like that's insane it was That's calculated. <laughs> it was such a choice. It was, it's genuinely like psychological warfare. Yes. Um, it was like, so the first blog entry that Pete made that mentioned Mikey was him saying like amazing New Mexico sunset. And I think that Chris posted like amazing Detroit sunset with my friend. That's Mikey. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, what is your problem? Cause like, as far as we know, Um, Like, the drama had ended. I think that the last time they had talked about each other was just to say, like, we're not, like, close friends, but, like, we've made up. Like, there's no hard feelings. Like, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of like, bro, I thought you were friends with him now. (laughs) But nope. Why are you doing this? (laughs) And the most, like, fucked up thing is, like, so Chris then posts an open call for questions on Twitter. And, of course, like, people go crazy about it. Oh, yeah. it. What was wild to me was it was a lot of, like... 15 year olds or whatever who just like have done a ton of digging into bandom history and are like really into like warp tour 2005 and it's kind of like you weren't born yet no or if you were born you were like very very young yeah you were not prepared to be aware of what was going on yeah then. and it was just like and every time i see like really young kids who are very into like the old days of bandom i'm kind of like what is the draw for you because like it's not nostalgia because you weren't there So, like, what is it? But, I mean, I guess that must be, I don't know, how, like, my mom feels watching me, like, listen to David Bowie or something. Just say, like, you know, like, why do you care about this? I don't know. I'll never know. I'll never understand it. It's just, it's, it's interesting. I can only hope and imagine that it would be, like, kids who have older siblings who were, like, involved in this scene. Oh, possibly, yeah. I mean, I want to be clear that I think I don't think it's bad. I think it's like really no. good and like fascinating. It's to fun. Me. It's just like it's, fun. it's it's like I know what it is for me. I just I can't imagine what it is for you. You know? Yeah. As long as here's my thing. Ultimately, with the kids that are in abandoned now, it's like as long as you give respect to the people who were there and when they fact correct you or like call you out on I don't want to say like call you out, but like gently correct you on lore stuff. I'm like, listen to them because we yeah. were there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, you have to go back to the Wayback Machine, but, like, to find these things. But we were there when it was posted. Yeah. And just, like, be nice to the old the old people in the fandom who want to help you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, have you enjoy this thing that we've loved for so long. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because, like, truly, like, there's nothing like nature healing again where you go out in public and see a normal family and they're one weird goth kid in the trip pants. I'm like. It's so good for my heart. It's so good for my heart. And, like, I love it. So. I'm like, oh, I was that kid. Like, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you thank for keeping you. it alive. And um, giving <laughs> trip uh, trip pants more money. Mm-hmm. So 
we have a couple screenshots of the questions that hey chris was asked and again a lot of people were asking about the pete mikey chris love triangle chris jokes about it does not confirm because you know he's an adult man who's normal but also not normal <laughs> yeah and he had nothing but nice things to say about them so mm-hmm. we got yeah, some which quotes is good. from christopher gutierrez um yeah there's a few uh so someone said how was meeting up with mikey again did you two do anything in particular um chris says he's one of my dearest friends i love him because he is a gentle angel who's wonderfully generous and should be protected at all costs i know we just said he's normal that's a crazy thing to say about your friend (laughs) it is and then when you're both in your 40s yeah uh and then he was asked like what's your favorite my chemical romance song and he says demolition lovers or vampire money because it's about twilight (laughs) hell yeah this one is, uh, do you enjoy causing chaos? And as long as it's harmless, I like fucking with you kids. Also, I'm in the best position to get us that fob eight, so let me live. <laughs> Which is so incredible because, again, it's like, all right, so you guys publicly, rec- like, you guys reconciled enough that you guys are, like, normal about this. But are you trying uh-huh. to cause enough chaos to have another song written about you? <laughs> it's It's very, very funny because it's kind of him, like, the... The joke, I guess, in Bandom uh, is that a lot of Infinity on High, which came out in like 2007, is written about Warped Tour 2005. Which that's not, that's not speculation. That's just a fact. Let's be some of here. it is. Some of it isn't. Some of it is. And like the friendships and the fallout and, you know, all that shit that was going on. And I have my tinfoil hat on for all of it. Don't worry. <laughs> so Chris is fully just saying like, yeah, I'm going to get us fucking Infinity on High too. Like, don't even worry about it. And I mean... I'm not saying that he did, but the album's coming. So yeah. I have a feeling that he knew that it was coming and was just like playing the seeds. Like this was the this was the ARG for Fob Eight. <laughs> was, was Pete releasing Hey Chris back onto the internet about this shit? God, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, someone asked him, Chris, I play bass. What do you think of that? Any tips? And he said, don't cuddle other bass players or strange children might bring that shit up again 15 years later. That was on you. You posted that on the internet. (laughs) But like, fair, fair tip. Um, And here's the one where he says where the photos were taken because someone said, what were Mikey's posing instructions? Um, Did you have any, like, how did any of the convo before this shoot go? And he says, "Uh, funny enough, I believe we took these in stupid ass Jeffree Star's LA apartment. We all sat around watching Saw 2 and then Mikey bought us root beer floats. He's a cuddly dude. That is such a fucking Jersey thing to do is buy someone a fucking root beer float. Yeah. In LA. <laughs> yeah. When Insane you're all of behavior. legal drinking age. <laughs> Insane behavior. Uh-huh. And then on September 30th, uh, 2022, he tweets this. Going live on IG tonight at 6 p.m. Chicago time. Get ready to update that master doc. Which is the most, like, ah. <laughs> he was very much breaking the fourth wall because it's like i assumed that he knows about the master the master doc here is referring to um like this big google doc i mean it originated as like a live journal post yeah that was posted on like bandom at bandom ships uh, on the live journal community bandom ships yeah which was just like a compilation of like every time that uh, Pete and Mikey wrote about each other or like mentioned each other or like song lyrics that could be interpreted to be like a Pete writing about Mikey. Like it was just like, this long fucking post about that. And it obviously included the Chris photos with Mikey because like that's part of the 
the mm-hmm. narrative is that Chris posted these to get back at Pete. So that's that's the master doc. Uh, so Chris is kind of implying, like, hey, I'm going to give everyone info on Warp Tour 2005 and the summer of, like... And he does say in that Q&A, like, someone is saying, like, oh, so, like, can you tell us about, like, what, like, 2005 was like? And he, like, does kind of like very dreamily say like it was the summer of like and then he like starts laughing really hard like he obviously thinks it's like the funniest shit in the world yeah and if it was me i would probably also think it's the funniest shit in the world yeah like oh you mean like 17 years after we all hung out on a tour bus together you guys have like these huge fucking pepe sylvia boards covered in red yarn about how maybe we fucked like yeah sure i would probably also think that's the funniest thing ever if I was at his level of, like, micro-celebrity. Ultimately, I'm glad that he takes it with humor and in stride and, like, doesn't take it too seriously or too personally. Mm-hmm. Like, for him, it's just like, oh, I'm getting attention again after, like, 17 years, whatever. And, yeah. like, he ultimately, it's very clear that he thinks it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, that a bunch of 15-year-olds go crazy about it. And also people who are, like in their 30s um yeah so he eats a bowl of soup from panera i think it was potato soup respect yeah he was really into the soup like i think he did like two different instagram lives and i think he was eating soup on both of them or like talked about soup on both of them which That's like, like huge respect yeah i was really and it was i don't know i was just really like yeah man like i also really like soup like i'm glad mm-hmm. that this is something that we have in common everyone should be more into soup yeah um it was a pretty normal little ask me anything he like obviously doesn't say like yeah so and so fucked like that was just like him getting people into the ama mm-hmm. he does confirm that he just kind of thinks that like it's funny and that he knows that quoting pete's old journal entries is like gonna get a reaction about people you know that kind of thing he talks about how like that time in the scene was really fun like it was just like them all mostly just kind of like goofing off with their friends and they didn't realize at the time that it was going to be important like 20 years later to anyone and that it's kind of makes it interesting to look back on it. And like, is it cute of someone in their 40s using attention grabbing techniques from events that happened when they were gross and in their 20s? No, but like, I'm glad that at, to some degree that there's acknowledgement of like, this is the shit that happened back in the day. Mm-hmm. But ultimately where that leaves us now with Hey Chris is like, like you mentioned before that he runs a cat rescue in Chicago called Catcade. And uh, it's also an arcade and a lounge. And he also serves as kind of like a lore keeper of the scene where he occasionally posts old show flyers and stuff to et cetera um, to Instagram. Mm-hmm. And like I like you said in our outline here, because we're that official <laughs> um, yeah. that there it would be nice for it to be archived in a more significant way besides instagram i wish that there was a proper archive of this scene because i feel like there's so much like recorded from you know late 60s 70s and then into the 80s for the the like trajectory of punk music and not really the same for emo and -hmm. i think that's partially because like it started to live online so much so it's hard to have physical evidence of things but it would be nice if um chris would do something besides stir the pot (laughs) and hang out with cats like he posted not too long ago like the lineup for warp tour for a year that i went and it was for the date that i went to it was the one in Mm. uh, montreal 
And I'm like, man, can you like scan that? Can I get something better than just like a photo that you post on your Instagram story? Because like this is like this is my history. Yeah, that's Chloe lore. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to look at that some more and remember like, oh, yeah, I saw fucking like Megan Dia at like 11 a.m. Because yeah. like Warp Tour just put everyone on at weird fucking times. Yeah. You, you were getting your shit rocked at like noon. Mm hmm. <laughs> Yeah, sun is still up, and I've already gone through the full gamut of human emotion. Like, yeah. I love it. Like, three times over. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> in, in short 20-minute bursts. Uh-huh. And a asphalt-laden parking lot. Yeah. I, we could oh. not hang now and do it. Warped Montreal was not in a parking lot. Warped Montreal was in a field. I um, wish that was my Warped Tour experience, because we had was... fucking parking lots. Yeah, no, it was fully just, like, a huge, dusty field. That, like, was, like, really hard-packed because, like, everyone's standing on it all day. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God. I think, like, the second last time I went is uh, when I really ruined my phone, my pink LG slide. Yeah. Um, because it was raining and I didn't have a rain poncho and I just had it in my pocket. And so I got, she got soaked fucked. all the way through fucking wearing, like, jeans and chucks. First of all, why was I wearing entire jeans in That's summer? Just the soupiest outfit I can possibly imagine yeah. going to Warped Tour in, not even considering the rain. Yeah. And it had been raining, like, on and off all day, but when it really, really hit was during 303's set, which I refused to miss. Fair. And lost my entire phone to it. You know what? Did not die in vain. No, it didn't. Um, I think that on some computer or other also like i did manage to rescue my memory card from it oh and fuck get... yeah so some of those videos are still surviving somewhere they're fully four pixels wide and you can't hear yeah. anything but um... <laughs> you have them but i have them and i think that leaves us with the the rise and fall and rise again of hey chris yeah an infamous figure in the scene and chris if you made it this long why did you keep listening to the podcast why did you keep listening to us i wish you didn't are you going to be at the, the follow-up show in Chicago? Um, and can you get me in? Because I want to go. Also, um, what's up? <laughs> yeah, <good>? what's up? <laughs> what's up? How are the cats? Yeah. So, yeah, that concludes our episode on Hey, Chris. This was So Emo I Fell Apart. And we'll catch you on the next episode. And, again, thank you so much to Moonshot Pods for powering this podcast. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Catch you all on the flip side. Kung Fu grip. Kung Fu grip. As so you can see, I had to use my uh, judo on Gerard. Yeah, I see that Gerard's actually gone to pieces here during this interview. Sometimes it happens. I just well, got so emo, I fell apart. That's what actually happened. You got that sad? That's Hey everyone, Andrew here with a fun little offer. If you are someone who wants to show your dedication to shows that break orbit uh, and everything that we do here at the Moonshot Network, well, now you can. We are officially open for some merch pre-sales. Uh, we've never done this before, but we are currently doing a pre-sale for some pins. A Moonshot pin that is uh, our cool logo that our good friend Caro designed is now available in metal and enamel a wonderful pin form if you want to show all your friends the coolest pin this side of jupiter you can pre-order it it's available at moonshotnetwork.bigcartel.com or if you check our twitter we will have a tweet that is, should be pinned that'll tell you exactly where you can find it <laughs> the tweet's gonna be uh it's gonna be pinned like um like you would if you ordered the 
Anyways, you can pre-order it now. Ten bucks. Enjoy the show.